Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation will turn focus back to the emerging markets and spotlight a notable milestone of an acronym we have come to know quite well over the past couple of decades. So joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Alejo, Alejo, great to have you back here on Top of the Morning. Uh, Welcome. Looking forward to our conversation today. Dan, good morning. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So, Alejo, the acronym I was referencing just a moment ago, that being BRIC, and for those, of course, familiar with the emerging markets are familiar with the BRIC acronym, it's supposed to capture the economic potential of Brazil, Russia, India, and China. But this BRIC acronym, it's been around for 20 years now. And in your latest Investing in Emerging Markets flagship publication, uh, the title, The BRICS at 20, you do take a lot of time to analyze the two decades of the evolution of BRICS. So what did you find in your research, Alejo? That's right, Dan. Uh, This month indeed marks the 20th birthday of the BRICS acronym. Uh, It is a catchy workplace that was very well received by the financial press. And in fact, it influenced the perception of emerging markets for a generation of investors. So our team, in order to celebrate this birthday, took stock of the 20 years of evolution of the BRICS in terms of economic development, geopolitical geopolitical importance, and investment performance across assets to see whether the concept proves relevant to this day. We conclude that this country's economic development track record is mixed. Let's start with the good news. All four did a great job at addressing extreme poverty and its associated challenges. Indicators such as the proportion of debts caused by communicable diseases or malnutrition, these have all collapsed across the board in Brazil, Russia, India, and China. But while China and India have grown quite fast in terms of the size of their economies in the last 20 years, Russia and Brazil did not live up to expectations. Let me share with you some additional uh, details here, Dan, because I think it's important. China stands out for having made the most headway. It is now the world's second largest economy when measuring GDP in U.S. dollars, and its per capita income grew six and a half times in just two decades. India's progress, though a bit more modest, it's still quite significant. The country's economy moved up from being the 13th largest in the world to the 6th largest in the world during this period, delivering per capita GDP gains of almost four times during uh, in the period since the year 2000. Now, contrast this with, with the situation in, in Russia and in Brazil, where the share of global GDP of this country has barely changed over the last two decades, delivering, of course, disappointing performance. At the same time, none of the BRIC countries have shown much improvement in areas such as control of corruption, rule of law, and government effectiveness, which may suggest economic, political, and financial market volatility will remain elevated. Finally, then, on the geopolitical front, I think it can be argued that the importance of these countries has grown. China, India, and Russia, for example, 
have all meaningfully climbed the global ranks of military spending. Now, disappointingly, the rising geopolitical influence of the BRICS has come almost exclusively as a result of unilateral initiatives. Collaborative efforts among these four countries have been really few and, and far between. So, Alejo, just to run with performance for a few moments, we can dive a bit deeper into that. Looking back over the past 20 years, can you expand a bit on the track record of the BRICS in terms of investment performance? Definitely. Look, we, we looked at this in detail in the piece, and we found some correlation between economic progress and investment performance in these countries over the last 20, 20 years. Uh, China and India did deliver good equity market returns in volatility-adjusted terms since the year 2000. This was thanks not only to relatively high realized equity returns, but also due to lower volatility when compared to Brazil and Russia. When it comes to fixed income markets, Russia and Brazil exhibited quite a bit of volatility as well, but these two countries managed to at least compensate investors with superior returns during, during the period. Interestingly, when you look at the BRICS concept in, in global financial markets, it did make some inroads during uh, the early years of its inception with a number of BRICS dedicated active and passive funds attracting, attracting quite large sums of, of money, assets under management uh, uh, initially. Now, over time, however, as investors widely recognize that the opportunity set in emerging markets should not be constrained by what we, what we view as a somewhat arbitrary acronym, BRICS dedicated money thinned out. Today, I think the concept bears little to no influence uh, in global financial markets. So, Alejo, again, to take inventory, the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China have been in focus. If we look ahead into the future, which emerging market countries, Alejo, do you believe may be the BRICS, so to speak, of the future? Of course. Look, it's, it's hard to blame the media and investors for at least initially yielding to the attractiveness of the BRICS acronym. After all, we would all like to be able to identify the countries of the future and position our investment portfolios accordingly. Looking at macroeconomic theory, it suggests that the growth of a country's human capital and physical capital stock, as well as how productively these two are combined together, better mind how fast an economy can grow over time. Now, when looking at the emerging markets, the drivers of future growth are not evenly distributed in our analysis. Starting out with Asia, India and China included, of course, this region continues to offer by far the most potential. Select nations in the Middle East and Africa also have the ingredients necessary to offer superior growth. Finally, Latin America seems to be trading quite a bit behind, particularly due to subpar accumulation of capital. Now, given the difficulty of accurately pinpointing winners, I think a well-diversified emerging market exposure may ultimately serve investors best when constructing long-term portfolios. In addition to such 
strategic allocation, investors can take advantage of shorter-term opportunities. I'll give you an example from this month, Dan. We have upgraded Russian equities to most preferred with a tactical 6-12 to month investment horizon in mind. The main drivers include a supportive oil and gas pricing backdrop, a generous dividend yield of close to 8%, and solid earnings momentum supported not only by elevated energy prices, but also higher domestic interest rate helping financials. Well, Alejo, as you outlined for us, Brazil, Russia, India, China, a lot has transpired over the past couple of decades. So fascinating to hear about how the BRICS have evolved and a very interesting to hear what countries are on the radar of the chief investment office as we look forward, though. Alejo, thank you very much for dropping by top of the morning today, for sharing your insights, and we will look forward to picking back up with our emerging markets conversation next month. My pleasure. Thanks again for the Great to be here. Absolutely. Thank you, Alejo. And again, today we've been joined by Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. This, of course, includes the publication which Alejo has been making reference to during our conversation today, the Investing in Emerging Markets monthly flagship. A title for the month of November is The Bricks at 20. So for clients of UBS, you can, of course, contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more or receive a copy of the publication directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS. Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.